Uh, again, thank you all for taking time to come out and uh, join the live stream on a Wednesday night. I know you could be doing anything else, uh, but uh, you chose to come and, and hang out with me. So I hope uh, this is a blessing to you and your family. I really hope it's an encouragement for all of us as a church and builds all of us up as just uh, we gather around his word and we study it together. And, um, and so, like I said in uh, my post, is we are starting a brand new sermon series on Wednesday night called Kingdom Minded. Uh, my thought was to do this later on in the year, closer to the start of uh, the new school year, but just kind of with everything going on, I thought it was really fitting to start it now because the last two weeks um, with that mini sermon series that I called Peace During Pandemic, uh, just a time of us to uh, how we are to pray to God and respond to this during this time, how we can pray to God and have this just peace that is beyond understanding. And then uh, we saw last week how we are to uh, live out that peace and hope that we have, how we are to pray for others, how we are to live out our faith and how we are to proclaim this gospel. And so I thought that fed really well into this sermon series called Kingdom Minded. And so let me give a little backstory uh, to what I mean by kingdom minded is, um, is so uh, we look at how we are to live out our faith. And so uh, if we're going to proclaim the gospel and live out the gospel, I think the Sermon on the Mount beautifully shows what it looks like to live out this gospel hope. It's to show how we are to live out this daily. Um, it is to show the attitudes and disciplines we are to have as followers of Christ. And so Jesus is slowly starting his earthly ministry. And then in uh, chapter 5 of the book of Matthew, he starts what this called the Sermon on the Mount where uh, he gives a sermon just uh, proclaiming at the first the Beatitudes and blessed are the blank for they shall blank. And, uh, but what I think is important to notice is just a few verses before that. In Matthew 4, verse 17, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or what some say is, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so what that word repent means, it means to have a change of self, both heart and mind, that abandons former dispositions, basically a former nature, a former character, a former way of living, and results in a new self, new behavior, and regret over former behavior and dispositions. And so, um, and so what it means to repent is we are turning from one way of living to a new way of living, is that we are turning away and turning to Christ. We're turning from our way of sin, and now we want to live for God. And so when we repent of our sins and believe in the gospel and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then that will change the way we think, which in turn should lead to a change in our attitude and our actions. And so what I want us to look at is since we have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light is that we are no longer focused on building our own personal kingdom, but we are joining in the expansion of God's kingdom. We're joining the expansion of God's kingdom. And so kingdom minded going through the Sermon on the Mount shows how we are to live, how we are to act, how we are to behave as followers of Christ. Is okay if we are no longer thinking of our old way of living and thinking about the kingdom of heaven, what does it look like to live for the kingdom? What does it look like to think on heavenly things rather than earthly things? What does it look like uh, to live this out in our daily lives? And so that's what I want us to look at tonight is that when we repent and come into the kingdom of heaven, we are now living 
for that and see what that looks like. And so tonight we're going to start in the Beatitudes and we're going to go through the Beatitudes verse by verse for the next few weeks. So tonight we're going to be looking at Matthew 5 verse 3. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. So if you have your copy of God's word, whether it be a physical Bible or your phone, uh, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. And uh, we're going to be looking at this very first one where it talks about blessed are the poor in spirit. We're talking about the B attitudes. This is what our attitudes are to be about. And so uh, what we are going to look at tonight is just our need for Jesus, just our desperate daily need for Christ and his grace. Because what we're going to see is we as fallen, sinful human beings, we, we are prone to not see our spiritual need for anything. Uh, we view ourselves as self-sufficient. We, we view ourselves that we don't need Jesus or salvation or anything else and that we can have a righteousness of our own. But what we're going to look at just in this one verse is our daily need for Christ. Because the main point I want us to get out of this verse um, and out of this sermon tonight is this is only by the power of the gospel do we see our need for Christ and receive the salvation that Christ purchased for us. Is that we're going to see the gospel and our daily need for it. And so with that, if you have your copy of God's word, we are going to be looking at Matthew 5, uh, starting in verse 3, but I'm going to back it up so I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. So this is Matthew 5, verses 1 through 3. This is the word of the Lord. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for tonight. Just thank you just for this opportunity that we are able to gather together just through technology. And so I pray over just these next few minutes as we look at your word and dive into your word and study it. I pray that you will uh, reveal sinful tendencies in our hearts I pray that you will just expose sins that need to be confessed to you. I pray that you will convict us in these things. But not only that, I pray you will encourage us. Encourage us by your word. Encourage us with the gospel. I pray that this will help us draw closer to your son, Jesus. I pray that it helps people that might be far away to draw back to him. I pray for us that are clinging to Christ faithfully. That will help us cling even more. And just draw even more closer to him. I pray that you will just hide me behind your word and submit to its authority. And just hide behind your cross and let that speak for itself. That it is your truth that is preached. That it is your gospel proclaimed. And that it takes root in our lives. And that only by the power of the Holy Spirit you will produce fruit from that. So again, I pray for all this. It is only by your grace. It is only by the power of your Holy Spirit that we can do any of this. And so I pray all of this is a blessing and honor and glorifying to your son, Jesus, in whose name I pray. Amen. So, so like I said, we are looking at the Beatitudes. So it's important to give a little bit of background uh, to the Beatitudes and what's going on here. And so, so we're going to look at Matthew's readers. So Matthew's readers at this time 
is that they're on the verge of just worldwide persecution, is that um, is that the Roman uh, army, their presence is just everywhere felt and they're slowly restricting more freedoms and they're demanding taxes. So it is a very difficult time during this. But Jesus has come to give this eternal perspective that we are to have not only for them then, but for us now, is that Jesus was instructing his disciples during this sermon, is that, yes, there was the crowd that was close by, but when we look at verse one, Jesus saw the crowds and he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So yes, some of the, some of the crowd might have followed some and listened in, but the key thing that Jesus is doing is he's instructing his disciples. He's instructing the true followers of him. And then as we see, it says he sat down. And that whole thing of sitting down is a formal way of teaching at this time. Is that Jesus is teaching and instructing. And so what I want to see is he's instructing these different attitudes we are to have. And these different attitudes feed into one another. That they're not just individual things, but all of them feed into one another. That these attitudes by outward standards might look weird and, and, and might even be pitied by some, but instead through the view of the kingdom of heaven is that these attitudes we are to live out are to be envied by other people. And so we look, what we're going to see over these, at least the B attitudes from verses 3 through 11 or 12 as we go through it over the next several weeks is we're going to see through the B attitudes two things. We're going to see the first half of each verse, the attitude we are to have. And the second half of the verse, we are to see the promise of that attitude, the reward of that attitude, the blessing that comes from God with each one. And so the first one we're looking at tonight says this, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So our first main point, this attitude, as I said, we are to have is a daily in need of Christ. Daily in need of Christ. And so as it says, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So what does blessed mean? Well, according to this word, what blessed means, it means happiness, but it's not according to earthly standards. We see with earthly standards, happiness is dependent upon circumstances that we're living in. But in God's view, it is dependent, happiness is dependent on the assurance of God's blessing. The assurance of God's blessing. So we see happiness, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, okay, if blessed means happiness, blessed are the poor in spirit. What are the poor in spirit? What does the poor in spirit mean? And it means a humbly trusting and depending upon God. It's humbly trusting and depending upon God, even if that trusting in God leads and results in oppression or material disadvantage or anything else that could come with that. That we humbly trust and believe in God. That the focus on this is spiritual poverty, not material poverty. And it's so important that Jesus starts here, this spiritual poverty. It starts here because it's so important because that is where repentance and discipleship starts. It's understanding our own spiritual bankruptcy. Is that it is important we understand our need for Christ. 
that, that we must understand that we cannot earn righteousness on our own, that we cannot have a righteousness of our own. We cannot earn salvation by our own merits or deeds. We must acknowledge that our need for salvation is outside of ourselves. And that salvation only comes by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That it only comes by Jesus coming down and living a perfect, sinless life that we couldn't. So he could be a perfect, sinless sacrifice to appease a holy and perfect God. That when he took on the cross, he took on all of our sins for all of time. And that he was buried in the tomb and he was resurrected three days later, overcoming sin and death and the grave. And he has ascended back up to heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father, finishing all of this. And that is what we are to believe in. That is the gospel that we proclaim. That is our hope. Because we see our spiritual need when we see Jesus, when we look at the cross. That, that we see, like 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, that he made him who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Or it says in Ephesians 2, 1 through, 10, 1 through 10, how we are dead in our trespasses. We are dead in our trespasses. I mean, there's nothing in and of ourselves we can do to earn our salvation. But then that beautiful verse, and for, uh, verse 4, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy and his great love for us, made us alive in Christ. He made us alive in Christ, not in our own abilities. So it starts here. This is where it starts, is understanding our own spiritual bankruptcy, understanding our need for Christ. That before we can get anywhere, before we can even start becoming a follower of, of Jesus, before we can even start living out these attitudes, of being a follower of Christ, we must first become a follower of Christ. And we see that the only way to become a follower of Christ is if we repent of our sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross and receive him as Lord and Savior. Because as we see in this, these Beatitudes are all, the Sermon on the Mount is all circled around discipleship. And that we'll see with each one that discipleship is not in vain. And so again, this first step is that we see our need for Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the ones that humbly acknowledge that there's nothing in and of ourselves we can do to save ourselves. But it is only by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ, that we can be saved. And so I want to start by asking all of us this is, have you truly repented of your sins and believed in Christ? Have you truly repented of your sins and believed in Christ? If you have it, that is the first step before we can do anything else and go forward. Is that you turn away from your old way of living. You turn away from it and you turn to Jesus and see him is more beautiful than your sin. And then you see him and let him save us from that. That, that is the first step. And so what I want to see is blessed are the poor in spirit. That when we look at the cross and we hear the gospel, we see our daily need for Christ. And I want us to see our daily need for Christ in three reasons, for three reasons. And the first one is the one I just talked about is we see our need for him for our salvation. The second one is this, is we see our need for him to daily follow him and become more like him. For you see, repentance is not just this one-time event, praying a prayer, and then that's it. No, repentance is an ongoing lifestyle that us as followers of Christ are supposed to have. 
is that yes, when we repent of our sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then yes, we are saved and we are secured for all of eternity. Absolutely. And we are forgiven of our sins, past, present, future, all of our sins for all of time. But there are still sinful habits in place that we are to turn from and put off and put on our new self, put on godly habits and and pursuing him, these godly disciplines that we look at is that as Luke 9.23 says, we are to daily deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus. Is that it's not just praying a prayer, but it's daily pursuing him after that, becoming more like him, seeking him more. Because as we go through life, we will deal with temptations and struggles, and we will see our need for Jesus. I mean, we will be just like Paul in Romans 7, uh, where Paul says, I know what I need to do. I know what I need to do, but I I can't seem to do that. And and the stuff that I I want to do, I just seem to not be able to do. And the stuff I don't want to do, I do. And so as we go through life, we will see that constant struggle between just our flesh and the Holy Spirit as he continues to sanctify us. And as we go through that we will see our need to trust in Christ more and more and more as he guides us and helps us become more like him. And so I ask you this, do you daily pursue Christ? Is Christ something that you daily look to and seek? Do you preach the gospel yourself daily and see your need for him? Do you, are you a constant lifestyle of repenting? And turning back to Christ and letting him uh, mold you more into his image, conforming you more into his image? Or was repentance merely praying a prayer just for a one-time thing? Is that again, as we see in scripture, we are to daily pursue Christ. We are to daily deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, and to follow Jesus. So the three reasons we, that we need Christ daily. The first one is that our need for him for salvation the second one is our, is our need to daily pursue him and follow him and to become more like him. And the third one is this, is we see our need for him because we will face persecution. That we are saved and then now we are daily pursuing and following him. And then as we daily pursue him and follow him, we will see that as we follow him, we will follow him in ways that are in complete contrast and completely against the world. And so when that happens, we will face tension, uh, we will face uh, conflict in these things, and we will face persecution during these things. I mean, Jesus talks about this in John 15, where he says, look, the world hated me first. The world persecuted me first. So if they hated me and persecuted me, how much more will they hate and persecute you as my followers? Think about this. The world hated Jesus. The world, he got whipped. He was beaten. He was spat upon. He was mocked. And ultimately, he was crucified on a cross. And that was to Jesus, the one that we are claiming hope in, the one that we are saying, this is who we are following daily. This is the one that we have surrendered our life to. And so they, the world hates the Christ that is in us that his ways are polar opposite of the world's, that his kingdom is upside down in comparison to the world, that Jesus comes to judge the world and call people to repent of their sins and believe on him. And that's going to confront a lot of people. 
that when we trust in Christ and follow him, we are living in opposite of everything this world has to offer and say as good as its standard. That this world will say things are right that we are saying is wrong according to God's word. Is that this will lead to difficulties of calling something wrong that the world calls right. That this, we cannot have comfortable Christianity. We cannot have something where we just pray a prayer and then just live this comfortable life and I'll see you in heaven. Now, this is something where we're called to daily die to ourselves and pursue him. And as we do that, then we will face difficulties in this world. We will face hardships. That as we look out upon America, we see the moral landscape around us is rapidly shifting. We see how just in Romans 1, how people are saying that things are just evil or good and that things are good are evil. And we as followers of Christ are to stand up and represent the kingdom of heaven. We are to represent this Christ that is our Lord and Savior. That we must be willing to step up and step out and represent the kingdom of heaven that we have been delivered into. That yes, we will face hardships. We will face difficulties. We will face persecution. But again, another promise that Jesus says is in John 16 verse 33 where it says, Hey, you will face hardships in this world. But take heart for I have come to give you peace for I have overcome the world. The beautiful thing about that Christ has overcome the world and anything it could throw at us and that we can trust in him, knowing that he will lead us, knowing that he will guide us, knowing no matter what happens, no matter what happens, we can trust and believe in him. That we are going to face persecution in this world and we are to represent him. And so let me ask you this. Does your life reflect more of the world or more of Christ? That when people look at us, do they see someone that is pursuing Christ on a daily basis? Or do they see someone that would fit in just as everyone else in the world? That as followers of Christ, we are called to represent him and his kingdom. That we see our need for him to face these things and represent him. That we see these three things, like I said, that we daily need him for our salvation. We need him for our salvation. We need him daily uh, to pursue him and follow after him, become more like him. And then we see our need for him because we will face persecution. He is our hope. He is our joy. He is our peace. And he is our anchor. Because as we see these things we go through, we will see our spiritual bankruptcy. We will see our need for him. We will see how, how poor in spirit we are to be and our daily need for him, that our attitude is that we must need Christ daily. But as we see, like I said, there is this attitude we're to have, to have, to pursue Christ daily, that we need him every single day. But then we see a promise out of that, a reward out of that from this discipleship and discipline, is that we have that attitude, that, that, that discipline, discipling ourselves in that. And the blessing that comes from that is our second main point, which is this, is the promise we get is we gain the kingdom of heaven. We gain the kingdom of heaven. Like it says in the second half of verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Again, these, these readers are on, on the verge of worldwide persecution. 
that more and more freedoms are being restricted, that the more and more the Roman Empire is demanding taxes, and we are to see that we are not living for this world, but we are living for the world to come. We are living for the world to come. That, that God, or that Jesus says in this, that he is promising us, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we promise kingdom of heaven comes in two different ways I want us to understand. Right? The first one is the here and now. And the second one is in the future when Christ comes back to restore everything. So right now is in the here and now that we are promised the, the kingdom of heaven. Is that in the here and now we are promised the presence of God. That we have the Holy Spirit living inside us as our down payment, as our inheritance, sealing us for the day of redemption. That he is convicting us, he is empowering us, he is guiding us. That he will help us in everything, to become more like Jesus, to daily pursue him, to be able to daily deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him, that he is our assurance of our salvation. So we have the presence of God in the here and now with the Holy Spirit, but also that God will provide for us. It says in Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That he'll provide for all of our needs. Not all of our wants, not what we want, uh, not those things we desire, but, but ultimately what we need. And obviously as we continue to go through life and pursue him, we will see that we need Christ more. We need his grace more. We need his provision more. That, that his provision might not look exactly how we envision it, but it will be enough. It will be exactly what we need. That we'll see as well in the here and now, we will see as Romans 8, 37-39 says, how it says we are more than conquerors. In Christ. And because of his finished work on the cross, nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing can separate us from the kingdom of heaven. That his, uh, his cross bridges any chasm. That his grace meets us wherever we are. That his love meets us in the deepest of rock bottoms that we could be facing. Another thing of, of a promise of the kingdom of heaven in the here and now is that Jesus has overcome sin and death and the consequences of sin and the temptations of sin. So now when we are tempted, he'll be able to provide a way out for us, as 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says. And then another beautiful thing is Hebrews 2, 14 through 18 says how, how he took on flesh, how Christ took on flesh uh, to serve us, to help us to break the chains of life, lifelong slavery that Satan had, to break the power of death that Satan had over us. And know that when we are tempted, that he understands and he's with us every step of the way and he will help us walk through that. He will help us walk through that. That he breaks the power of that. That these are promises of, of in the here and now, how, how we can start living for the kingdom of heaven and see parts of that as, as God slowly restores everything. That's in the here and now. But the second way we see that promise of the kingdom of heaven is in the future. In the future where we are promised truly the kingdom of heaven. Where there will be a new Jerusalem and, an, and a new heaven and a new earth. That we are promised eternity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's, it's incredible to think about where, where, where there is no more disease and illness, where there is no more death, where there is no more brokenness, where, where we can say confidently, death 
where is your sting? Hell, where is your victory? And that we can boldly proclaim and sing about how Jesus, yours is the victory. You are holy, holy, holy. Where we will see that Jesus Christ is our living hope today, tomorrow, and for all of eternity. That that is what we'll be able to sing about. That is our hope that we have, that we are promised God will come to judge the living and the dead and bring righteous vengeance to those who have persecuted and oppressed the children of God. That we have a mighty avenger and a righteous judge for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. But, but, but let's be honest, it, it can be difficult to focus on that. It can be difficult to, to look towards the future and try to cling to that hope because we face difficulties now. We face hardships now. It's difficult to focus on the promise of heaven. We have difficulties in the present. It's difficult because right now we might have bills piling up. We might have a loved one who's sick. We might have us where we're facing our own struggles right now. In this life, in the here and now. Here is my encouragement to y'all and for each and every one of us is that Jesus has lived out every bit of this that we will see with this Sermon on the Mount, with these Beatitudes and all these things. He has lived this out. And when he calls us to have this same attitude, we're able to follow his example before us because he has already lived this out. And he will give us the grace to day by day, step by step, be able to pursue him and walk in faith and follow him and to cling to that. Yes, some days will be a lot worse than others and some days will be a lot better than others. But he is constant because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he will give us all the grace that we need to day by day, step by step, deny ourselves more, trust in him more, pick up our cross more, follow him further, and become more conformed into his image. And as we go through and face these hardships, and the more we see our spiritual need for him, and the more we trust in Christ, and the more we will have, uh, the more we'll be able to see how faithful he is through all of this. And we'll be able to be just like Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, where we're able to say, or we are confidently able to say, your grace is sufficient. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when we are on our lowest, God is on his highest display of glory. When we are at our weakest, God shows his grace to help us walk step by step. And that in some, in these days we live in, it can be difficult. That we face difficulties. But I pray in these days that we will see our daily need for him. To daily be poor in spirit, knowing that we can turn to Jesus. He is rich in love and mercy and grace. Again, before we can truly be a follower, before we can start living out these attitudes, these disciplines of being a follower of Christ, we must first become a follower of Christ. And the way we become a follower of Christ is we see our spiritual bankruptcy. We see our spiritual poverty. We see our need for a savior. We, we cannot do anything first without first repenting of our sins and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that again, it starts with repentance. It starts that if we are to be kingdom-minded, we must be first delivered into his kingdom. And the only way that happens is by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he came down from heaven, was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect, sinless life, the life that we could not live and are unable to live, and that he died on the cross as a perfect, sinless sacrifice. That when he said, it is finished, he forgave us for all of our sins, for all of time, that he was resurrected out of the grave, overcoming sin and death for all of eternity, and then he ascended back up to the Father in heaven, sitting at his right hand, claiming that his work is finished, that he has purchased our salvation, that if we will just repent of our sins and believe in this, believe in him, believe in this Savior, believe in his gospel, then we will truly be saved and delivered into the kingdom of heaven. It starts with our spiritual bankruptcy. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you haven't repented of your sins yet, I I urge you, I beg of you, I implore you, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. He is merciful. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All who confess their sins and believe in him, he shall save. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes from the word of God, from this beautiful gospel. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Dear God, we daily need you. We cannot do this on our own. We cannot pursue Christ on our own. We cannot obtain salvation on our own. It is all by just your unmerited, incredible, amazing grace that you lavish upon us. That we are so unworthy, yet Jesus is so worthy. And that is where we get our worthiness from. That we cannot obtain a righteousness of our own. But when we repent of our sins and believe in you, it says we are clothed in your son's righteousness. That we are no longer children under wrath, but we are children under grace. So I pray that we are able to understand this and see this need for you daily, especially in this time where we could face difficulties whether it be persecution, whether it be financial difficulties, whether it be physical difficulties, even emotional and mental difficulties, I pray during this time it will see our daily need for your son, Jesus. And I pray as we turn to him and pursue him that you will show that you are faithful for the kingdom of heaven is ours by your grace, that you will help us in the here and now and you promise us with eternity as well. So I pray, God, in this time that you will help expose sins in our hearts, expose our pride, and help us turn back to you and turn to you and cling to you daily. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for this beautiful gospel. And I pray we never get over its power. I pray all of this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen.